Um, This morning uh, marks the second week of our series uh, called Discovering Your Shape. And uh, we began it last Sunday. And uh, if if you missed it, you can uh, get online and check that out. But uh, let me just take a little bit of time to review what we're talking about when we say uh, this series, Discover Your Shape or Discovering Your Shape. We laid some of this out last week, but let me give you the quick overview again this morning as we really start to dive into uh, the meat of what this means. First off, I would contend that God has made every single one of us unique. He's made every one of us and he's shaped us uniquely. We saw in Ephesians last week that you're his masterpiece. Literally in the Greek, you're his poema or his poem or his work of art. There is no one who's ever been made in all of human history who has the same exact characteristics and gifts and personality and talents and experiences as you. As I like to say, you're unique, just like everyone else. Think about that. You're unique, just like everyone else. But, but you are. You're incredibly, incredibly uniquely made and shaped as God's unique work of art. And part of that shape, uh, we use shape as an acronym. And this isn't something I made up. We're borrowing this from other churches who use this acronym. And I think it's very helpful, though. But, but think of it in five phases. First off is there spiritual gifts that shape you. This is what we're going to talk about this morning and for the next few weeks is spiritual gifts. What are they? What do they look like? Where do you find them in Scripture? How do you figure out which ones you have? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have spiritual gifts. You have at least a spiritual gift. I would argue you probably have spiritual gifts, plural. Not only this, but the other part that makes up your shape is not just your spiritual gifts, but your heart. The H is your heart, meaning your your passions, your interests. Some of you have great passions. I look at Hope, and I know Hope is passionate about music, among other things. I could list a handful of things. But, but each of you have different passions that are maybe different than mine and different than the person next to you. That's part of your shape. God has planted those things in your heart. Uh, there's spiritual gifts. There's heart. There's also abilities. Some of you have incredible, incredible abilities. In fact, all of you have great talents and abilities. But, but some are different than someone else's. Some of you are incredible artists. Some of you are great athletes. Some of you are are profoundly good with numbers. Others of you are really good with words and writing. What, What are some of your talents, some of your abilities? What are you good at? God's given you some things that you're good at. Your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities. Also, another thing that factors into your shape, the P, is your personality. God has given you a unique personality. And uh, we'll get into this later this spring as well and help you identify just some traits of your personality and why others misunderstand you and why you misunderstand others. And I hope that'll be helpful for you. It's part of the way God's designed you. He didn't make a mistake in that. And then lastly are your experiences. Each of you have a handful of unique experiences, both good and negative that God uses to shape you throughout the course of your life. And because of your experiences, some of you can do ministry and can help people who've been through the same experience. In fact, 1 Corinthians talks about that right at the beginning of Paul's letter to the church. And, and he talks about how because of the things we've gone through, we have grace then to be able to help others 
who are going through the same things. Well, here's the thing. As we go through discovering your shape over the next uh, handful of weeks as we get into Easter, it'll, it'll take us through Easter, through February and March, so a couple months. Um, I would contend, and I'm praying, that some of you have some big choices to make. You're going to have some big choices to make if you really go on this journey with us to discovering your shape. Um, it's a process of self-discovery, but, but not in the sense that the world speaks of self-discovery. The world speaks of self-discovery. They say, uh, just look in your heart and figure out what he, you know, what's really deep down inside of you. You know, that, that is absolutely nowhere in the Bible, and it's some of the worst advice you could probably ever get. To look deep in your heart and to follow your heart. You know why? Because our, our, our heart... The heart is deceitfully wicked. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your heart has been made new. So there's some aspect where you can start to, to follow that. But, but ultimately, instead of looking within, you need to look without. You need to look to your creator, to Jesus Christ himself, to discover who you are. Because he's the one who made you. Colossians tells us that Jesus is the one who, who created all things. And that by his word, all things hold together. He's our creator. Jesus Christ is. And, and because of that, we ought to look to him to find out who we are. That's the self-discovery I'm talking about, is the self-discovery that comes from our creator. Now, some of you will need to start doing some things then as you discover your shape. And, and there's, there's a, a couple things I'm praying for you. Many of you, over the next few weeks, you'll, one, you'll discover the way, and you'll discover new things about the way God has uniquely made you. The way he's uniquely made you. I'm praying about that for you. And I'm praying that as you discover those things, um, you'll feel an unbelievable prodding and leading of the Holy Spirit to get involved and to serve his body, the church, as part of his body, the church. I'm praying that you'll understand that this doing isn't tied also to a program on a Sunday morning, but it's, it's part of just being part of his church. It doesn't have to happen on a Sunday morning. So I'm praying for some of you that you would start doing something as you discover who you are. That you would start getting involved and serving and living out your shape. That's why God's given you a shape. You're like, round is a shape. I can sit around and be round. Okay, but no, like get involved and do something. Serve people. Serve Jesus with your shape. Some of you, though... It's going to be a harder process because as you go through this process of self-discovery, you're going to realize you need to stop doing some things. You may need to stop serving in certain ministries you served in because in the reality of all things, you're maybe not shaped for that. And God shaped you for something unique and for a specific purpose. And when you realize that, it's freeing. And I'm able to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that because that's simply just... Uh, there's others who do this better. And, and in fact, what God has really given me to and shaped me toward is this. For some of you, that might mean a change of a career. Now, don't be foolish and just be like, oh, Josh says quit my job. I quit. No, 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 no. Like, like take some time, pray about it, think about it. But what if God's calling you into ministry? What if he's calling you to be a missionary? What if he's sending you into a new place of work so that, that you would be his missionary there? See, not just a missionary like you're getting sent to Africa, but, but like maybe he has something new for you. 
based on the way he's designed you and shaped you. Now, why would I pray this? Why would I pray that some of you might quit doing some things like that? Well, one is for your joy. One is for your joy. See, when you start to live out your shape, guess what? God gives you joy in that. He really does. How many of you can attest to that? When, when you're serving in your sweet spot and it's a, you, you, like, you just sense the pleasure of God in it. Like Eric Little, I think I talked about him last week. I just, I love his quote where he talks about how God has made him for a purpose. And he says, he's also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. One is for your joy. Two is for others' good. See, God has shaped you. Really, I'm getting this in reverse order because your joy is the last piece of it. A big piece of it is others' good. God has shaped you to serve and love and care for other people. It's not about you. You get the benefit of joy, but it's really not about you. It's about God's people. It's about being part of his church. We're going to see that this morning. And imagine if, if you have somebody who's in the wrong spot and, and they're serving in the wrong place or, or whatever that is. One, I think it's probably discouraging to that person. Two, who else is it discouraging to? The people they're serving. I mean, if you went to the doctor and this doctor is not a good doctor. And, and you say, my, my throat's sore, doc. And he starts tapping on your elbow. I do. No, my throat. <laughs> like, like, did you have anatomy in third grade? Like, you know, the, the hip bones connected to the leg. You know, I mean, just my throat, not my elbow. I mean, if a doctor started doing that, he, he could do great harm to you. And it would be no joy. It would be a discouragement to him. He'd never heal anybody. And it's the same way in ministry and in the way God would have you serve. And finally, and most importantly, it's for God's glory. God has designed you, loved ones, for a specific purpose, or as uh, Eric Rees calls it, your unique kingdom purpose. This isn't earning God's favor. This is living out the grace and the favor that he's already given to you. So with that introduction, some of you are going to have to start doing some things. Some of you may need to stop doing some things and start doing some other things. I invite you over the course of the next 10 to 12 weeks to discover the unique way God has shaped and made you. Because it's different than the unique way he's shaped and made me. And all of this, you're going to hear me say this often, it's for God's glory, others' good, and your joy in that order. And so this morning, before we dive into this first part of the acronym, into spiritual gifts, let me pray. And uh, we got a lot of content to cover. I'm going to move fast this morning, so I hope you can keep with me. And uh, we're going to look at what are spiritual gifts this morning, just the big flyby overview of what is, what is the Bible talking about when it talks about spiritual gifts. If you're a follower in Jesus Christ, you have one. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, and thank you for your grace to us through him. Thank you that you've uniquely shaped us and made us for your glory, for your pleasure, that you didn't make a mistake in the way you designed us. You didn't make a mistake in the personality you gave me or in the abilities you gave me or uh, in the passions you gave me or in the gifts that you've given me. You chose all those things for me. In your incredible sovereign foreknowledge, you gave those things to me because it would bring you great pleasure. It wasn't an accident. Help us to believe that. Help us to discover those things about ourselves so that uh, we would take pleasure in what you take pleasure in, which is your children. And, and I pray, too, then, that as we discover that, you'd give us a heart to serve others with that shape and with those gifts. And then in all of it, we'd have great joy. 
Uh, Father, I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd fill me and, and speak to me and through me as I teach these truths. Um, you've been teaching me a lot over the last few weeks, and so help me to uh, explain it clearly and succinctly and in a helpful way. Um, I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects, that he wouldn't uh, take any things I might misspeak or, or any part of your word and twist it and use it instead to accuse and discourage us, but, but instead encourage us. Give us courage by the teaching uh, that you'd bring to us this morning. Use me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Spiritual gifts. Here's where we're going over the next few weeks. I'm going to give you an overview today. And then over the next two weeks, we're going to dive into some of the primary passages of Scripture at a little deeper level and explain what are some of the gifts that are in Scripture and how do you start to discover what yours are. And at the end of these two or three weeks, we're actually going to provide you with some assessments if you're interested in them to try to learn some of these things together in your 110 group and figure out the ways God's gifted you. And I hope that it's a huge help to you. So... I guess maybe I'll just start with that, saying, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, congratulations. You're gifted. You have gifts. You, you know, when I was a kid, there was this thing called talented and gifted students, called TAG, right, in school. And uh, the, the kids got selected for this if they were, were really smart, had high test scores and, and whatever else, and everybody else was just kind of left on the wayside and these kids got to disappear for a few hours during the day and go do something fun while everybody else had to sit and learn their spelling words. Right? Well, guess what? You're one of the cool kids if you've trusted Jesus. You are. You're, you're one of the ones who's been given a gift. And, and so what we want to do this morning is I want to explain to you what spiritual gifts are. Because when we hear that, the first thought is often... Oh, it's this fuzzy, mysterious, kind of difficult thing to figure out. When in reality, spiritual gifts are clearly taught throughout Scripture, and especially in the New Testament, and, and they can be easily identified and understood in our lives with the help of other people. And so that's what we want to venture to do together. But before we really define what spiritual gifts are, let's take the reverse route and define what they're not. What they're not. First off, spiritual gifts are not your passions or interests. They're simply not your passions or interests. See, one of the things Paul says in uh, one of the main passages on spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you, your translation might say, I don't want you to be ignorant. And when he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, he's not calling you stupid. He's not saying, I, you guys are just so stupid. Why can't you figure this spiritual gifts thing out? No, he's saying, I, I just, I want you to be informed. I want you to know about this because if you know about this, it will radically change the way you live your life among the church and among God's people. So dive in, learn with me. I want you to be informed. And so that's why we're doing this this morning. And the first thing I think we need to be uninformed about is what spiritual gifts are not. They are not your passions and interests. They're not the H in shape. They're not the H. They're not the things you're passionate and fired up about. I, I have the spiritual gift of politics. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's not a spiritual gift. You might be incredibly passionate about that. And I'm glad about that because we need Christians who are. But that's not a spiritual gift. Uh, spiritual gifts are not your passions or interests. Number two, spiritual gifts are not the same as natural talents. 
See, a talent is the result of genetics or training. A spiritual gift is the result of the power of the Holy Spirit. A talent can be possessed by anyone. Spiritual gifts are only possessed by Christians. And when both, while both talents and spiritual gifts should be used for God's glory and to minister and care for others, spiritual gifts are uniquely focused on this task. They're uniquely focused on uh, bringing uh, spiritual truth to someone, bring, bringing spiritual effects and help to someone in the power of the Holy Spirit. So your spiritual gifts are not your abilities. They're not your talents. Uh, you, you don't have the spiritual gift of kickball, Tristan. You're a good kickball player, but that's not your spiritual gift. might be a talent you have, but it's not a spiritual gift. So it, it's not your passions. It's, it's not, your, personal, or it's not uh, your natural talents. It's also not your personality traits. Your personality traits are not your spiritual gift. It shapes who you are, but that's not your gift, right? Your pers- the, the way you interact with other people, how you gain energy and how you're recharged, whether that's with people or alone, that's something totally different. And, and finally, spiritual gifts are not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. They're not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is given to you. It grows within you to bring encouragement and and growth and sanctification to you. Your spiritual gifts are given to you to serve other people. Your spiritual gifts are given to you to serve others. So that's what they're not. Let's give you a definition here. You have it already, but, but what spiritual gifts are? This is the definition I'll be using. Spiritual gifts are a set of God given and spirit-empowered spiritual abilities given to every, excuse me, every believer according to God's grace to help them fulfill their God-given personal purpose as part of the body. What we're going to do the rest of the morning is I'm going to unpack this definition and explain what's meant here. This is a little more in-depth than the definition I gave you last week, not because I don't believe what I told you last week, but I just wanted to explain it more, and so there's, this one's a little wordier. So, number one, your spiritual gifts, by that definition, number one, they're God-given. Your spiritual gifts are God-given. The first thing to notice about spiritual gifts is that they're God-given. I'm going to give you a handful of passages. Some are there. Some you can jot down. But Ephesians 4.8 says this. Paul writes, he says, Therefore, when he, when Jesus ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Jesus gave gifts to men. He's actually quoting from the Old Testament here. But God gives gifts to men. And ladies, when you hear that, that means mankind. The the Greek word there is uh, rooted in uh, anthropomorphi. I don't know. It's some Greek word like that. That sounds like anthropology. That's where we get the word from. And it means all of mankind. should have wrote it down instead of trying to come up with Greek on my own while I'm standing here. But... But the Greek meaning is just mankind. God has given gifts to mankind, to those who have trusted him. And God is the one who gives out spiritual gifts. There's a few implications in this. Number one, you don't choose the gifts you receive. You don't choose which gifts you get. That's up to who? The giver. How many of you, when you were a child, you might ask for gifts, right? But who chooses them? The person who gives it. How many of you sat on Santa's lap when you were little? And you said, Santa, I want to, I you know what I wanted? I wanted a red Power Wheels so bad. I, I wanted a Power Wheels that I could drive around. And at this time, I was about this tall and believed in Santa. And Santa's lap asked for a red Power Wheels. 
And then I asked mom and dad for red power wheels. And everybody I knew, I asked for, for this red car. And I asked for it. That was the gift I was choosing for me, for six-year-old Josh. Did I get it? Uh-uh. Why not? Because it wasn't up to me. It was up to the person giving the gift. You might ask for a gift, and maybe the giver of the gift would give you that gift, but it's ultimately up to the giver to choose what gift you receive. You don't choose this. And this is true throughout all over our culture. You know, some, have, some churches have wrongly taught a name-it-claim-it mentality as it relates to spiritual gifts. That like, if I just name it, that I want that gift, then God will give it to me. If I just make a deal with God and I do enough good spiritual things, then maybe he'll give me that gift. But that's you focused. That's not others focused. Because spiritual gifts aren't about you. They're about the church as a whole. Some might teach you can achieve or conjure up certain gifts, but that's simply unbiblical. You, you can't turn the crank hard enough until finally you receive a gift. No. Gifts are given to you by God's grace, according to his will. 1 Corinthians twelve eleven talks about this. Uh, Paul writes, he says, All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who appoints to each one individually as he wills. Later in verse 18 of chapter 12, he says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, just as he chose. You have your gifts not because you chose them, but because God chose to give them to you. Number two, you don't choose the amount of gifts that you receive. You don't choose the amount of gifts. Some years at Christmas, the tree was packed. Other years at Christmas, there wasn't very much under the tree. Now, as a kid... I like the years when it was packed, right? And you come around the corner and, oh, yes. And, and as, a, as, as, a, as a human being, a lot of times I look at those who are maybe more gifted than me and I go, man, I wish there were that many gifts under my tree. I wish I had those gifts. But you know what? God didn't make any mistakes in the number of gifts he gave you. He made no mistake in that. He chose them specifically for you. You don't choose the amount of gifts you receive. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Also, you don't choose the degree or portion of the gift you receive. Uh, one thing I would contend as we get into spiritual gifts more is that uh, really what you have if you're a follower of Jesus Christ is not just like a handful of, uh, you know, the gift of teaching and the gift of hospitality and the gift of administration or of helps or whatever that is. But, but you have a mix of gifts. And some of those gifts you have in different proportions to, to other gifts and, and in different proportions to other people who are gifted in the same way. See, some of you may have the gift of, of, uh, of teaching, but your gift of teaching isn't necessarily to get up and, and preach a sermon on a Sunday morning. Your gift of teaching, you're really, really good with kids. And you have a gift to explain the gospel and to explain the truth of God's word in really simple ways to those who are really, really young. You can explain these complex truths to young hearts. That's a gift of God, and you have that maybe in a different proportion to someone else who teaches in a college seminary in the way that they teach God's Word. And so you don't choose the degree or the portion of the gift you receive. God, God determines this. The giver does. You know what you do choose? Let's skip to the end here for a second. You do choose what you do with the gifts you receive. That's what you choose. 
You don't choose which gifts. You don't choose what, how many gifts. You don't choose what portion of the gift. You choose what you do with the gift. You make that choice. Will you unwrap it? Will you develop it? Will you put it to use or will you ignore it? Imagine if your child, some of you who are parents, you, you bought them this incredible gift for Christmas and they just left it under the tree all year and never unwrapped it. And the next year came and it was still there and they never unwrapped it. And the next year they never unwrapped it. And the next year they never unwrapped it. How would you feel? You chose this gift for them, for them to enjoy, for, for their joy, for others' good, so that you would receive joy in it. Sadly, so many of us remain willfully ignorant of our gifts and we don't embark on this journey of discovering the gifts God's given us and we leave the gift wrapped. Let me challenge you, don't leave it under the tree. Unwrap it. And this brings us to the next part of our definition. Not only are spiritual gifts God-given, they're spirit-empowered. They're spirit-empowered. The Holy Spirit is the one at work in you when you use your spiritual gifts. I read this verse already, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, but it says that, Paul says, all of these, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You know, I'm absolutely confident in, one, in a couple things of the gifts that I have. Two gifts that I'm, I'm confident that God's given me is the gift of teaching and the gift of preaching. I'm just confident in that for a number of reasons. One is the input from other people. The ways other people have spoken into that and encouraged me. You know, some of the days I go home, and you can ask Hannah about this, I'll go home and I'll go, everything I said was just stupid today. None of it made sense. People, like nobody's coming back next week. Nobody. And you know what? Usually those weeks, I get more emails, more text messages, more phone calls from people who just casually say, hey, that was really helpful to me this week. And I go, what? That was the stupidest thing I've ever taught. Really? You know what that tells me? It wasn't me. And those gifts are not about me. And when I start thinking they're about me, guess what? Usually those are the worst times ever that I teach anything. But when I let the Holy Spirit work in and through me, that's when God works, and it's confirmed in the lives of other people. It's also confirmed, I'm telling you, there's times I'm preaching and teaching on a Sunday morning where the Holy Spirit works through me. And I don't want to be, sound weird, but like I just sense that. I mean, there, there's passages of Scripture that I haven't studied for weeks that just pop into my head. And then I haven't really ever taken the time to sit down and memorize, but all of a sudden I can, like, I can quote that passage of Scripture to you, and I've done it. You don't know it, but I've done it. And that was nowhere in my notes. Nowhere in my thoughts the week prior. Other times an illustration comes to mind, or other times just a phrase, or the way I say something, the way it comes out of my mouth. You don't see the real going on in my head, but I think, hey, that was pretty good. I didn't thought about it that way before. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit did that. The, the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers our gift, loved ones. What gifts has he given you? He's given you a gift, if not, I think, probably gifts. And likely when you're using those to serve him, you've sensed his pleasure and you've sensed those times where you're like, wow, that was not me. I, I did not have the compassion for that person today. Like I was, I was just, when I saw him come and I thought, I don't have it today. Uh -uh. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit filled me with, with compassion for them and love for them. And it was just, it was not me. 
That's the Holy Spirit. And there's joy in that, isn't there? Or, or what are some... Listen, they're, they're spirit-empowered. They're not empowered by you. So because these spiritual gifts are God-given and Holy Spirit-empowered by nature, they're spiritual abilities. They may be, there may be physical aspects to them. Like, when, like for example, I, I talked about my having a gift of teaching. When I teach or when I preach, you hear my voice. That's a physical thing. But ultimately, it's a spiritual ability. It's accompanied by spiritual effects where, where the Holy Spirit works and does something on a spiritual level in the lives of those you're ministering to. Number four, contrary to what you might think, every single person who's a believer in Jesus gets at least one of these spiritual abilities. Spiritual gifts are given to every believer in Jesus Christ. You're like, I don't know, Josh, I don't have a gift. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. My grandma would sing that to us when we'd pout when I was a kid, you know. First one, a juicy one. Second one, a slimy one. Third one went right down. Thanks, Grandma. You have a gift if you've trusted Jesus. I think you probably have gifts, plural. And you have a unique mix of those gifts that maybe no one else in our church has. Earlier I mentioned that some of us um, some in the body of Christ choose to remain ignorant of the gifts that God's given us. And sometimes the reason for this is we're scared that we're really not gifted, that if I really start to discover what my gifts are, I'm going to find out in the end I don't have any. That's simply not true. If you've trusted Jesus, you do. And even if you haven't trusted Jesus, let me tell you this. There's a very real sense in which you've been given a gift that's yours to unwrap. There's a very real sense in which you've been given a spiritual gift, and that's the gift of Jesus Christ himself dying on the cross for you, giving his life for you. And to receive spiritual gifts, your first step is to unwrap the gift of Jesus, to recognize that you are a sinner, to recognize that you are really messed up in your sin. For me, it was when I was in high school, recognizing that I had no hope on my own. That no matter how many things I would try to do right, no matter how many self-help books I might read, no matter how much people liked me, no matter how the way I dressed, no matter what I, none of it mattered. Because in my sin, I was destined for hell. I was an object of God's wrath. I was on the receiving end of his punch. But by God's grace, he adopted me as his child, just like Aaron and Jandy adopted Ty we saw this morning. He adopted me, brought me into his family, just as if I was his own. I receive all the full inheritance that, that Jesus would receive because now Jesus is my big brother in the faith. And Jesus' work on the cross makes me clean and makes me pure and makes me new. And now I open that gift, I receive it, and it's the gift of eternal life. And Paul says it, it's a gift of grace, not by works, so that nobody can boast. If you want spiritual gifts, your first, you better unwrap that first gift because otherwise you don't receive spiritual gifts. They're for believers and believers only. Open the first gift. Trust Jesus Christ. But in God's economy, everyone who is in Christ is gifted. Every Christian. Not just the special people. There's no special qualifications needed. No special level of maturity required. There's not even a span of time that you have to be a Christian for like so long before you get the full benefits. You ever get insurance? Like I had dental insurance one time and it was like three years before I would ever, it would ever pay for anything. Like we'll pay for $10 on your visit this year. Well, thanks. I mean, giving you 30 bucks a month for, 
And then after like so many years, I was vested in. It's not that case in God's kingdom. Immediately, the moment you become a Christian, God gives you gifts. He awakens those gifts. It's a matter for you to unwrap them and use them. The only requirement is that you first receive the gift of eternal life in Jesus. You don't believe me? Here's some scripture to back it up. 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Each one has his own gift from God. One of a kind, one of one kind, and one of another. Everyone has a gift. 1 Peter 4.10, as each person, each Christian has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Everyone has a gift if you're in Christ. Romans 12, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think of himself with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. Later he says in verse 6, having gifts, you have gifts that differ according to the grace given to you. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Loved ones, every believer gets a spiritual gift. If you're in Christ, you have a gift. I think you probably have gifts. You're gifted. And the truth is, these gifts are gifts of grace. None of us deserve them. None of us. All of them are by God's grace, and they're measured out according to grace in Jesus. That's number five. Your spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are according to God's grace. They're according to God's grace. How do I know this? Let me explain it to you. Here's some Greek words I do know. Make up for the one I botched earlier. The Greek word that's most commonly used for spiritual gifts is the word uh, charisma or charismata. Charismata is the plural, gifts. Charisma is the singular, gift. And it refers to a spiritual gift. It refers actually to a gracious gift, a gift of grace. How do I know that? Well, because the root of that word, I'm starting to sound like the guy on uh, my big fat Greek wedding now. The root word, Greek. The root of charisma, the root of charismata is charis. You know what charis means? It means grace. Charis is the Greek word for grace, for undeserved favor, for unmerited love. Undeserved. Grace. You want a good name for your child? Maybe if you have a little girl someday, how about Charis? It means God's grace. C-H-A-R-I-S. And charisma is a gift of grace. Charismata is gifts of grace. Spiritual gifts. That's, it's the word we get, our, our English word charismatic. Or uh, you hear about charismatic gifts. Really what they are is they're gifts of grace. Literally. And God's gifts are given according to his grace. And God's grace, I define it here again for you, if you want to write it down, it's undeserved love or unmerited favor. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. And ultimately, this only happens in Jesus. That's why you have to open that gift first. And then according to that grace, he gives you gifts. Two things to observe here, that that gifts are according to grace. First, because they're given according to the, the grace of God, we don't deserve them. Just like you can't choose them, you don't deserve it. Don't think highly of yourself because you've given this gift over this gift or because you've given a plurality of gifts rather than just a, one or two gifts over here. You don't deserve one. It's a gift of his grace. Number two, they're measured out according to his grace. They're expressions of his grace. So they vary in number and degree in each of us. 
Paul talks about this in Romans 12. We'll get into this next week. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Each of us have different measure of gracious gifts given to us. According to whose design? God's. Not according to, to who earned the most or who did the best. But according to God's grace. According to his will. It's all up to him. But how many gifts you have is not nearly as important as just discovering and developing the gifts you do have. Part of the reason you're you're graciously given gifts through and according to God's grace is to help you fulfill the unique purpose to which God has called you. That's number six. Spiritual gifts are to fulfill your God-given personal purpose. Your God-given personal purpose. Now let me unpack that just briefly, okay? Because the reality is Jesus has given marching orders to his church as a whole. He's given us a great commandment to love one another, to love God with our whole heart, so whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love others as ourselves. And he's given us a great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And, and he gives us those two commands, to love others, to make disciples. But I believe he also gives you and I a unique purpose that flows underneath those overarching purposes of the church. He gives you a unique sphere in which he sent you to make disciples. He gives you a unique sphere in which he sent you to love other people. He's he's shaped you in a unique way so that the unique place you go that no one else can, God would use you to build his kingdom and to fulfill those purposes for his church. And that's your unique kingdom purpose, your unique personal purpose. Who are the people you sit by at work week in and week out? Guess what? They're part of God's plan for you. Who, who, are, the, who, who are the people you interact with on a week in, week out basis? What is your job? You don't have it by accident. It's by God's grace. God sent you there. And part of the reason he gives us gifts is to whatever he calls us to, he always equips us for. Whatever God would call you to, he'll equip you for. And he'll give you these gifts to help you. Timothy, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. It's all about Jesus. And, And your gifts then are about honoring him and your unique purpose. And finally, number seven, and this is the big one, is it's within the context of the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are exercised within the context of the body of Christ within the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 talks about spiritual gifts not being for your personal benefit, but for the benefit of the, or for the common good, for the benefit of the whole church. The three primary passages on scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, every one of them, and each one, uh, the, the writer of scripture, Paul uses the analogy of the body, as the context in which he describes spiritual gifts. And so spiritual gifts, apart from understanding the body, the nature of the church, I would argue you can't understand spiritual gifts unless you understand the nature of God's church. Unless you have a good theology or ecclesiology of the church, you're going to have a whacked out understanding of spiritual gifts. And you're going to start to think that spiritual gifts are about uh, bringing honor to you or bringing excitement to you. And no, 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 it's about the church. It's about building God's church, building God's kingdom. Every time they're discussed, it's in the context of body life. Now, that takes place as the church gathered on a Sunday morning, right? Once a week. 
But it also takes place as the church scattered six days a week. You're no less part of God's body when you're at your job than you are when you're sitting in the pew. So guess what? God's given you his gifts to serve and be a part of the body in your workplace. To be missional. To use your spiritual gifts on mission out among everyday people who aren't part of our church. Because in doing that, you're being his church. You're expressing body life to maybe those who might join it later. This is why it's so important for you to understand. I, I, I would argue that, that maybe the most important thing you could ever figure out after trusting Jesus Christ is how you're gifted. Because it gives direction and understanding to where God is sending you and how he's shaped you to do ministry. And it brings incredible fulfillment to your life. Now, that's a lot of information this morning that I just kind of dumped on you, isn't it? You're like, is he done? Yep, I am. But let me leave you with this. Let me leave you with this. Two things. Two things as we close. One, I hope you'll make the choice to discover your spiritual gifts. We're going to really launch into that now that we've just, I've totally dumped on you a quick explanation of what spiritual gifts are. I hope you'll come back and we'll start to dive into what the unique gifts are in God's word and his purpose for them and to help you discover what they are. And I pray that as you do that, you'll be spurred on to to get involved in the church, to serve other people. But I pray also, too, as as you make that journey to discover those gifts... That you won't just um, go, yeah, I got a gift. I know I've got that stuff. I, I know. And just leave it wrapped up under the tree. I pray you won't neglect the gift that God's given you. Loved ones, I, if everyone in this room who's in Jesus Christ would, would put their gifts into practice, discover them and develop them, you know what would happen? The doors would be blown off this place. God's work would explode in and among our church and in and among our community. I really believe we neglect spiritual gifts at our own peril and at the peril of other people who might meet Jesus because of us exercising those gifts. So I challenge you, if you know Jesus Christ, come on this journey, discover them, develop them, put them to use. If you don't know Jesus Christ yet, open that first gift of his son. Trust him, repent of your sin, turn to Jesus in faith that he might gift you and equip you for the work of ministry as well. Let me pray. Uh, we'll take our offering, sing, and call it a morning. Uh, Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks for your grace to us through him. And uh, thanks for your gracious gifts that you give us. Uh, Jesus, that's just a ton of information to plow through this morning. And um, I know that. And uh, I, I pray for those uh, who've heard it, that Holy Spirit, you would... Um, have used it in such a way as to create a desire in them to learn more and to know more about the way you've shaped them. Um, Give us grace to explore that um, more deeply now um, and practically for each of our lives over the next couple weeks. And I pray that as our church grows in those things, uh, Jesus, that your grace would be on display through your gracious gifts being exercised. I pray, too, for those who haven't trusted you, that they might trust you uh, maybe even today putting their faith in you and become a Christian, become part of your family. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We pray all this through him. Amen.